0: Hello and welcome. My name is Michael Kaplan and I am your host for The Ephemeral Machine, a podcast about collecting cameras. Once again, we come to you from our studio on the beautiful campus of The Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. The world of film camera collecting would not be complete without an appreciation of the earlier representations of this complex and comprehensive interest. Marty Steiner-Jones maintains an extensive collection of cameras and photographic ephemera that predates the traditional rangefinder and single-lens reflex timeline. As the past president of the Photographic Historical Society of New England, her influence and contributions to the various facets of camera collecting are internationally acknowledged and valued throughout the film photography community. When we return... Marty Steiner-Jones, The Legacy Collector. And we're back. You're listening to The Ephemeral Machine, a podcast about collecting cameras. Marty Steiner-Jones joins us for an in-depth discussion. All right, right, so why don't we... um, just pick up where uh, we left off from sort of your um, first introduction to photography and, and where your interest in film camera collecting first came to be.
1: Okay. So I um, grew up in a family that ha- always had photography involved. My dad always had a chic around his head, uh, around his neck, it seemed like, you know, wherever we went on vacations and we'd have family slideshows and whatnot. And when I was in high school, I had an opportunity to take a dark, you know, a uh, class in photography for developing and printing black and white and so I set up a dark room at home. And that was where my first interest started in photography. Fast forward to college. Um, my senior year in college, I had met all my requisites after three and a half years, but I wanted to stay you know the last semester. So I signed up for a photography class and the teacher that I had, Brought in a sample of early photography, a daguerreotype, tintype type thing. And I said, that would look really cool on a farmer's table, a long old pine table or something with a camera next to it. So uh, my family always were antiquers. And I would just, you know, when everybody else is partying on campus, I would take off and go antiquing on the weekends nearby. And I started picking up cameras. (laughs) So that was in 19... 79. (laughs) So now it's here we are in 2022. (laughs) I've collected for 43 years. And I've, I've uh, hopefully uh, picked up the collection that I like. Um, You know, there's always some I can find to add, Mm -hmm. but not as much as years past.
0: I understand it looks impressive behind you. So at this point, you probably have more than 10 cameras. Is that, is that I what have I assume?
1: more than 10? I, you know, if you look around the room, I've never counted them, but I've said for 15 years that I have 600 cameras on display.
0: Okay. All right. Someday I
1: may, may take the opportunity to count them,
0: but who knows? I, I understand. Well, we're going to um, circle back to uh, that number and kind of talk a little bit about uh, the breadth of the collection in general so let's re this a little bit and kind of bring Sorry. us back to no. um your attempt to uh recall the first camera in your collection
1: okay so i'm thinking back to where my first camera might have been and i'm i'm guessing it was probably a black 2a model b box camera by kodak they're pretty uh they're pretty popular out there and and Today, I pass them up at yard sales for a dollar, but back then I was very excited. You know, like, look at this. I got this, you know, great box camera from 1914, and, you know, probably overpaid for it. But <laughs> so, <laughs> but
0: that's okay i mean it's a it was a, certainly a starting off point and sure. um and and i think what's really interesting is you know as you kind of focus on perhaps the first cam in your collection i mean it, it really you really tended to um to kind of place the the importance of your collection right at the beginning of a sort of photographic history so it almost kind of um lends itself to your, to the experience that you've had as a film camera collector tie uh-huh. into antiques and the tie into um, the New England Photographic Historical Society, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Sure. Um, so the, the camera um, was now in your collection. You looked at it in your hands. You realized how cool it was. What moment really was it that you realized that one camera wasn't enough to have?
1: Ah. Uh, <laughs> well... I think a farmer's table is an awful long table, so I said, "Oh, I can fit more than one camera on there." And uh, it just got to the point where weekends were spent on uh, the search, and the search still continues today, so that's that's what I like about collecting cameras. You never know what you're going to find, and like I said, it started 43 years ago, and it's still going and and the interest is still there, so
0: Fantastic. How does um, your, your experience as a um, photographer and working in the photographic arts tie in with camera acquisition? Um, you know, do you, do you tend to look at a camera and say, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to acquire this because I can use it or because um, it has aesthetic value?
1: So my interest in photography is now solely collecting I haven't had time to, I mean, I'll take pictures and I, I like everyone else. I use my cell phone. Um, and I remember my first camera I used to take pictures when I was in high school was a Canon Demi. And I liked it because it was a half frame 35 millimeter camera and everybody else is getting 36 pictures and I'm getting 72 to choose from. So that was always fun. And then in college, I, I went to a Canon FTV cause I really liked that camera. Um, but since then, you know, I, I've, use different cameras but I haven't really used them that much you know ever especially since cell phones have developed so much Mm -hmm. my interest still um is with the the collecting portion itself so I no longer develop in print although my daughter in college took a class so that was kind of fun to see her sort of follow in my footsteps and um you know it's, well, it's,
0: it's, it's so interesting because you know up, up until um this point um in every interview that i sort of held with the camera collector there's always been that sort of counterpoint where you know we need to consider the process of photography in aligned with the process of collecting um and here we encounter a collector whose sole focus at this point is really just <laughs> The acquisition, the collecting, and the maintenance of that collection. Sure. Um, so it, it's sort of an interesting um, perspective and 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 a fairly radical change in in what I think we're familiar with um, in contemporary photography. Even with as collectors uh, go, how quickly did the collection grow from the point where you started to actually acquire them?
1: So interestingly, <laughs> my first apartment, I ended up with like four cardboard boxes full of cameras and I really didn't have any place to display them I remember they were in my bedroom on the side of the room and I'm like okay this isn't really going to work and then I went to another apartment and I was able to display some and then I bought my first home about uh, say like five years out of college so I started filling up shelves there so that quickly grew and then um Four years later, I bought the house that I'm still in today. So I've been here since 1989. And the collections moved a few times. Um, I had it. I have a big house. But anyway, I had it in one room. And then I had moved it downstairs to another area, outgrew that, and then put an addition on the house. And with that addition, turned an old garage into the camera room. So wow. even that has... Um, overgrown a little bit so i had to come back into the house with part of them you know i have a few large studio cameras that are in one of the other rooms and things like that
0: great i mean it's it sounds so interesting um the way the sort of the lineage of the of the collection and the way that it's grown Uh and um you know clearly um you have evolved as the collection has evolved and you simply have provided access for it to grow which is uh, kind of an interesting take Um, Mm -hmm. i think a lot of collectors look at their collections and think well i really need to pare down because i'm out of space the um, I, I think the alternative would be to simply create more space for your collection, which which is something yeah. that I would certainly align myself with, and I think yeah. it's a, a refreshing take on the whole experience. Um, I had the occasion to interview um, Vladislav Kern, who is the um, driving force behind USSR Photo, and okay. his collection is now at, at roughly twelve hundred cameras. Um, wow! And he and he has to build a second essentially basement onto his basement in order to house all them so (laughs) there are others out there who are facing the same sorts of problems um so interesting so so what exactly was it um marty that that drew you to the the sort of the representation of the camera that you found so fascinating as a collectible
1: as a collectible i think well I remember there was a collector series that came out. I don't know if it was by Time Life or something. And there was, they had all different sections in the different series. And there was a section on cameras. And, and this is back in the early days, like, you know, a couple of years after I started collecting. And I turned pages, you know, in the camera section. And there were these beautiful colored cameras represented that were made by Kodak in the 20s. Kodak Petites, for example. There was also um, Boy Scout Kodak, things like that. And I, to this day, will never forget going to a flea market and finding my first Kodak Petite, and trying to decide if I wanted to pay the $14 for it. And um, finally broke down and bought it and was so excited that I had it. (laughs) Now I have amassed such a large collection of the colored cameras um, in all sizes and stages. So it's a learning process.
0: is there any? Um, do you find that there's any distinct threads in in um, the collection um, in terms of specific companies? Or is there? Is it tend to heavy on the on the Kodak side or or anything along those lines?
1: I would say yes, to heavy on the Kodak side because I I just think it's fascinating. That Kodak made so many of these. Let me just let me just uh, tell you that I had to, and I pardon pardon the pun, but you've used it too. I had to focus on what I wanted. <laughs>
0: collect
1: okay (laughs) okay so i had to really streamline because there's so many cameras out there as you know so um my cameras primarily are the 20s 30s and 40s i do not collect movie cameras i don't collect instamatics or polaroids i mean i have a couple of polaroids that people have given me that might have an advertisement on it like a construction company or amtrak or you know, something like that, a promotion, but otherwise, you know, I have an Instamatic that might be from the Olympics, you know, something like that. But other than that, you know, if people come up to me and say, Hey, I've got this movie camera. I'm like, good, have fun with it. You know? So, so that I did have to focus on that. And then um, I also don't collect the 35 millimeter because there's, you know, the Pentax, the Nikons, the, the cannons and things like that, that are the film cameras. Although a lot of people like to use them because they're the true classics. Again, mine are still the twenties, thirties, and forties. Most of mine are Kodaks. I've been fortunate enough to go to, you know, symposiums that used to be held every couple of years out in Rochester. Um, I've been able to go in the vault at the George Eastman house and see one of a kind cameras. And about 30, I would say like 32 years ago, I was introduced to a collector from the Netherlands that was at a show outside of Boston, and he owns the largest privately owned Kodak collection in the world. And his name is Rude Hoff. And he and I instantly became friends. And now I consider him family. He's over here visiting three times a year. He's coming in a few weeks with his wife and her daughter. Again, he was here in October. I have learned so much from him and Um, I've been able to go to shows in the Netherlands. I've been able to go to shows in London, also in Paris, France, right outside of Paris. There's a show called the EVE. That's amazing where collectors come from all over the world he's been my mentor so
0: it's 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 really in, an interesting history in the way that it developed um mm-hmm. and and it it's so profound in the way that you were able to connect with another another um uh, film camera collector whose emphasis mm-hmm. was um right. so much uh a, a specific brand and a specific era yeah. um can i ask is is does does the 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 collection do you feel like it It will lead you to perhaps um, cataloging it or archiving it in some other way that would be beneficial to um, historians or collectors?
1: I haven't even thought about that. Um, I used to keep a list of the ones I acquired and where I got them. And then I did a, a whole notebook years ago when you were able to see on eBay more information if I found one similar I was cataloging what it sold for, you know, and who bought it, and, you know, all this stuff. But years ago, they they really tightened things up, so you couldn't see them. Um, I did want to say I do have more than codecs so though. I do have. There's a lot of cameras that were made in England that I like, mm-hmm. and there's also some from France um, and things like that. But again, most of mine are. American made.
0: now I I understand. Um. So so if you're if we're plotting that specific time period in American camera manufacturing, we're probably looking at folders and things of that style. Um. Are, do you ever migrate to, let's say, the Voigtlander folders of the specific time, or do you pretty much contain yourself to to um uh, more American made?
1: More American made. I don't really have a lot of the Voigtlanders. I do have um you know like ansco and Bingham out of Binghamton, new york made um also series of colored cameras so i've acquired um those and um but there's also a beacon which was made by white house products i have different they came in white turquoise red and black i have those and then there's the what i call the cheapy 127 Falcon type and those came in all different names and there's you have to also, I migrated to a toy cameras. So I have a lot of toy novelty cameras. Um, I was actually flown out to a Seattle, Washington about, I think, like seven, eight years ago to speak on the toy camera part of my collection the Dick Tracy's, the Donald Ducks, the Mickey Mouse's, and things like that, the G.I. Joe's. So, I mean, and those, that's a whole nother area, you know, can cameras that are in the shape of cans that you can take pictures with, both 110 and 35 millimeter
0: it's so interesting that that should be the breadth of your collection you have this this dynamic representation of of early photography from the 20s 30s and 40s and then completely polar opposite you have these toy cameras that represent a completely different time in, in photographic history yeah. um I, I think it's refreshing to see that that kind of balance um um and um uh, it would be it would be fun to kind of see the 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 range of of those cameras that that are that are actually in your in your collection. Let me ask you, Marty. When you're um, looking at your collection, what is it exactly that c- compels you to say um, this is the next camera that I need to have in my collection? And then at what where do you go from there at that point?
1: So I did have a couple. I used to have a different goal every year of a camera that I was seeking. A couple of years ago, it was the. Um, maybe a few more there was a, a head it was the donald duck camera and it was in the head of a donald duck and i'll just tell you a funny story aside i went to an antique show years ago in atlantic city that used to be held twice a year because i will go anywhere to look and i'm an early bird so i used to go and get in line early and i was talking to we got to know i got to know the people every year that met there there was a guy that collected the razors there were the donald duck people there was a woman who collected compacts so In talking to the Donald Duck people, when I first met them, I told them that this was a goal of mine to find this camera. And once you know, the doors open to the antique show. I go in and within the first 10 tables, there is this camera. And I decided not to buy it. I don't know why. I went through the whole show and afterwards ran into them. I said, did you buy a can, anything? And they said, yeah, you said that that Donald Duck was so rare. We bought one as soon as we got in the show. So it was kind of funny. It took me years to find one after that. Um, but I, I did find it, and Good. I stayed in touch with those people. So, <laughs> and you were able <laughs> to add
0: that to your collection. I um, did. B- and
1: there was another one. I my next goal was to find, I have a lot of the scouting cameras and I wanted the campfire one made by Kodak. And that's a very difficult one to find. And I was finally able to obtain that and add it to my collection. So,
0: so do you work with, with a, with like a a system of other collectors or do you turn towards, you know, the traditional eBay and and that sort of thing in order to try to, to locate your acquisitions?
1: So pretty much I look online and wherever I go, I mean, if if I have a free day, I'm, I'm retired, quote unquote, retired federal. But at the same time, I opened up a large group of antique shop up here in New Hampshire, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I keep love for that there. Sure. And I, you know, dabble in every, other things too. So I mean, and I have a free day, I say, Okay, you know, this is a good time to, you know, go up the coast of Maine and hit a few shops and see what I can find or go down to Connecticut or go over to Vermont. So that, like I said, the hunt is still there, and that's really what I enjoy. Um, but working with collectors, if there's something I like, um, can I, I'll tell you another story, and you can edit out if you want. But Please. I met um, a guy that collected box cameras in New York City, and he happened to be one of the head writers for Letterman. And so we communicated, and I went to New York and met him. And I went to his office after I went to the Letterman show and he had his box cameras on display. And I looked, I said, Oh man, you have a Texas centennial camera. I've always wanted one of those. And once you know, a couple of weeks later in the mail, I received a box, a package, and there was a Texas centennial camera with a note in it from Steve. His name is Steve Young. And it said, I had a spare. You deserve this in your collection. Keep it. And it's just like I kept that note in the back of the camera where the film goes and it's little things like that. Um, There's a lot of collectors I've met over the years and I I can tell you names. I don't know if they'll mean anything to you, but Eaton Lothrop was a well-known and well-known respected collector and author around the world. Um, He passed, but he and I used to trade cameras all the time. You know, if I found one that I knew he liked, I'd buy a duplicate and vice versa. Um, And then Jim McEwen there's a a, a, everybody Jim McEwen's been in my house three or four times he's taken pictures of cameras he's never seen so my cameras are in his book so it's kind of fun and he gave me the biggest compliment ever with his co-author Dieter um, from Belgium who said you people have money and can buy a whole collection you have built this collection one camera at a time and amassed quite a collection and that to me Was such an honor, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's other so. And Jack Naylor, who was from Boston, was also a very big and well-known collector. And I go down to his house outside of Boston uh, quite a bit. And he passed. So unfortunately, a lot of the collectors I've met over the years have passed away. But there are a lot of young people up and coming. So I'm happy. That, to-
0: that is true. And and I think Dieter's comment um, really reflects your perseverance and, yeah. you know, yeah. your ability to um, maybe not necessarily um, have that instant gratification of an entire collection, but simply the, the search for it, looking for it treasuring Mm -hmm. the moment when you finally locate it i mean that's really all part of the collection process and that's i think what draws so many people to it um uh, across the board what what is it exactly marty um and i'm gonna go back to this um the, the 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 film camera in and of itself is there just something that that drew you to it was it the aesthetics of it was it something that was related to the technology the the iconography of it what exactly compelled you to say you know this is what i want to just acquire and have. Uh,
1: i think most of my cameras it's the simplicity of them mm-hmm. you know you put a roll of film in you roll it to number one boom you take a picture you roll it to, you see number two that type of thing you know it's it's not as complex you don't have to take the lenses off and change them it's so fun to see somebody hold a camera and not know where to look. You know, how, how do you take the picture, you know? And you just look through this square on the box camera. You hold it waist level and you you look, you know. I, oh, now I see it. You know, so it's educating people and things like that. And so.
0: I, I understand. <laughs> Is that what drew you? And I, and, and we're going to now sort of touch upon your experience and your involvement with the New England Photographic Historical Society. <laughs> Was that the tie-in looking at it historically and realizing that there's the potential for education and involvement in the community?
1: So what happened was I was at a flea market, go figure, (laughs) and I met a fellow collector and he said, well, don't you know about the photographic historical site in New England? They have a show. And at that time, it was a couple of times a year. And I said, no, and he gave me the information. And then I went a couple of times to the show and I was like amazed that there were tables of cameras for sale. I said, Oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is like dying and going to heaven. You know, look at this. I've got so many choices, you know? And, and so what happened is I decided to become a vendor because I had a mask and I got duplicates after years. And this is probably like, mm, let me see, like in the early eighties, I think I became a member. And um, let me tell you, there's so many cameras out there. So I always upgrade. So if I already have you know, camera a, and I find it at a, at an antique shop or something and I compare it to the one I have that gives me a new camera a, and I can sell the other one, you know, so that's what's happened. So um, that's the reason for the addition of the two car garage with the rooms above it, three rooms above it and a bathroom. And um, yeah, I have a lot of cameras. So now, you know, I'm getting to the point and in my age, you know, and I'm happily got my first Medicare card. Thank you very much that I'll be able to use this year. Um, so my daughter, you know, has been going to camera shows with me since she was you know, born. I mean, people remember her sleeping under the table when she was an infant. And it's kind of funny because you, you kind of look at your collection, even though I still want to add to it, I've slowed down and I need to, you know, get rid of things. We have a show coming up at the end of April that I've been getting ready for. Because we haven't had one for a few years, but she's kind of funny. She'll say, "You know, Mom, I don't know what I'm going to do when I inherit that that collection, but I know I'm going to keep the the Bow Brownies, for example, which are there are deco cameras designed by um, Walter Dorwin Teague from the oh, sure. thirties, and I have all ten of them. And oh, I think I'll keep the Cornet Midgets, which are colored cameras from England. And then, of course, I like the Kodak Petites that you know that Kodak made with the matching lipstick and rouge. So here she talks about how she doesn't know what she's going to do with them. Yeah, she's going to keep this one, this one, this one, this one, you know, and these. So it's kind of funny to, I don't know whatever's going to happen, but it, she's pretty astute on camera collecting for her age, I'll tell you.
0: Well, that's great. And hopefully, you know, the legacy certainly will continue. Um, mm-hmm. Considering the breadth of the cameras, uh, the range of the lines um, that you're referring to. Um, you know, we uh, we run into collectors uh, who may have maybe one or two of what you're speaking about, but yeah. to be able to kind of ascertain the full line is, is something of an achievement. Um, Marty, let me ask you, um, you know, you have such a, a profound connection with the cameras uh-huh. uh, and the way that you've sort of obtained them. We're going to go back to talking a little bit about the um, the Photographic Historical oh, Society, yeah. But what is, what is it exactly? Can you, can you pinpoint some moments that really you find to be um, memorable that connect with a, a, a specific camera that you were able to find or locate something that mm-hmm. was maybe um, kind of stands out? Like, I remember when I got this camera because it represented this, this, or this. Um,
1: gosh, that's a tough question because I've acquired so many. Oh, Sure. I mean, uh, one thing I remember being at an auction once and there was a uh, Boy Scout Kodo and Ansco Memo and I really, really liked it. And um, I was the high bidder and I was all excited because it's something I had been looking for. Um, And again, the Bo Brownies that I mentioned by Walter Dorwin Teague, I was missing one for so long. And this one is the hardest one to find. And the gentleman that I mentioned, Steve Young, who worked for Letterman, Uh, found an ad for one. Um, This is pre cell phone and everything and sent me a message and said, there's a camera for sale. You're looking for, I know I need it too, but you've been looking longer. So I was able to get that. Um, I mean, there's so many funny stories. I mean, I went to, the first time I ever went to the show in France, it's called B-I-E-V-R-E-S. It's, it's an outdoor show. It's great. Um, I was talking with a gentleman from France and he asked me what I collected. And I had mentioned part of them are toy cameras. And he said, do you collect the, the cameras that are in the shape of a can? And I said, yes. He goes, there's an arrow guard camera up around the corner. I'll take you to it. Boom. I go with him because it's a product, you know, I bought the camera. I come back to the States again, email. And, um, I had an email I had, there was something in a, a trade magazine and I get an email from this guy in France, and I said, "Oh, I said how ironic! I just returned from France. You know, went to the show in Biar. Were you there?" And he said, "Yes, I was there. Did you find anything?" And I said, "Well, one of my favorite things I bought was this can camera, this AeroGuard can camera." And he wrote back, "I'm the one that took you to." <laughs> <laughs> there you
0: go. So, I mean, That's it- that.
1: You know, I, I, I took my daughter to that show once and we're walking down a path the day before the show-off opened and I thought I heard my name in a French accent. I mean, there's like nobody around. I'm walking to the ladies' room and I said, I thought I heard my name. And my daughter said, I, I, I thought I heard your name too. And then we heard it again. And I turned around, it was this gentleman and he said, I recognize you from your website. <laughs> so it was just, and I think what I love is the fact that collectors are become a community, a family, mm-hmm. and maybe that's the same with, with others as well. But the people I have met through the Photographics Historical Society, um, there are three friends in Philadelphia that will come up to the show. They've been to my house, they stay here. Um, I, I booked everybody's hotel room, so I have 12 people that I've booked hotel rooms for. Uh, for dinner out afterwards, both nights, you know, we go out and again, they have been family and, and it, it's just great. And the camar- camaraderie, you know, you, you.
0: It's you really know. nice to hear that, you know, um, it's a completely different take on, on camera collecting that, <laughs> um, you know, I've encountered up to this point And I think is more sort of broadly um, uh, acknowledged um, you know the the connection that you have to camera collecting is through the camera as a uh, historical um, artifact. So naturally, it's going to draw in people who have the, a similar interest in collecting cameras in that way. Yeah. Uh, thus, the the community that's built around it. Yeah. Um, so so where did the um, moment come when you became president of the society?
1: So. No one else wanted No, I'm kidding. So, you know, so I been active and, and they have monthly meetings and I like going. And, and so I can be vocal. I was doing all the auctions. I don't have an auctioneer's license, but it's just a volunteer thing. So we have auctions and I joke with everybody, but I decided, yeah, I wanted to run for president. And so I served a couple of terms as president. Um, you know, we have a board of directors and I hopefully made some positive changes when I was president. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I this year I, I did the whole, um, what's the word I want? Slate of officers. You know, I called and put together the slate for this year. I talked to the president, the current president of Disney, two, two nights ago just to, um, you know, I had a couple of questions and concerns, you know, like the website had some different information about the show than Facebook and that I was told, you know, and I said, we really need to be on the same page. So he's going to work on getting that all straight mm-hmm. up. <laughs> You know, but, you know, like any organization, it's all volunteer, you know, and and I just became, I, I just thought it was important in the educational aspect. Um, I'm lucky through my owning the antique shop and not that I'm promoting it. It's a 10,000 square foot shop. There's three of us that own it. We have 97 vendors, so we get a lot of business. And I had a woman come in just the other day and she's from Western Mass. And I had put a poster up about the, the show and she's a teacher. In at a a high school, a private high school. And she said, Oh, my gosh, this would be such a great field trip. And I'm like, the educational aspect alone is great. The kids can go for free, you know, because they're students. And, (laughs) and so hopefully that'll evolve that they're, they're going to go.
0: For anyone. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the educational component alone is really, um, you know, invaluable mm-hmm. when we're talking about what these cameras cameras represent. Not yeah. only uh, in terms of the history of photography and the development of it as a <laughs> as a uh, process, but also in manufacturing and mm. manufacturing design and things of that nature yeah. so, so the 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 scope of your collection and your approach to it is built around your appreciation of the camera as um as a an element of history mm-hmm. connected it to your experience through the um photographic historical society mm-hmm. um, you pull all this together and you have this sort of uh, uh really really impressive collection of these cameras um how do they get um how do they get displayed how do they get looked at how do they get viewed
1: so they're all in a room locked with an alarm um other collectors will tell you (laughs) they have i I remember one collector jack naylor who is very prominent around the world um he had air pumped in like every 12 seconds you know and everything was behind glass and this and that (laughs) like yeah i go down and if i see dust i just blow on it you know (laughs) but it I mean, so um, but but they're like I said, they're just displayed and and I can choose whether I want to show someone the collection or not and just say, well, this is this is my life right here, you know, and and this is what I do. And you know, I'm I always have the motto that I, I'm not a drinker, a smoker or anything like that. I go. First the bills are paid, then I buy cameras. You know, and that's always been my motto. So sounds
0: like a reasonable one to me. Uh, let me tell you. I've been you. a
1: single mom since my daughter was in fifth grade, so you know it's important.
0: I I understand. I understand, and it's clear that you know your passion is is certainly directed towards it. So <laughs> um uh, so. You, you have this collection and, you know, you mentioned that if you decide you want to show it to somebody that that's the, you know, you have that potential. Is there any other way in which the, the L, the parts of the collection get shown? Do you ever, you know, photograph them and put them on display oh. electronically or something along those lines? I,
1: I do have a website it's gotta be updated. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it, but it's my name, martijones.com. M-A-R-T-I jones.com. And that at least gives you an idea of what I collect or mm-hmm. what i have but again it's you know probably hasn't been updated for like 10 years and i keep telling my daughter what a great christmas gift that would be to have a brand new website launched
0: that would it be a nice christmas gift. it hasn't
1: yes. it hasn't sunk in yet.
0: <laughs> well who knows you could just keep dropping hints, i suppose yeah. Merry christmas. um no what what is the let's let's turn towards another issue that has sort of kind of uh, serviced the last few weeks um especially since i've had the opportunity to speak with some other women collectors um representation of women in camera collecting seems to be um not supported but the voice just isn't there as uh, apparently as as male collectors do you believe that it's kind of a male centric thing or is it just something that you know i mean it's it's not a question that i can answer per se
1: well funny story (laughs) so when i set up at the show um a lot of people will come up to the table and if i I have one of my friends from pennsylvania they're one of the guys they turn to them and ask the question they don't turn to me and they say ask her it's her table oh you know there a lot of people are surprised and Anytime I go to a show, whether it's in London, whether it was in, you know, France or around the country, it is, it is is male-dominated, but hopefully um, more and more women are finding an interest. I know, again, at my shop, I'll just put little folders out for sale, and a lot of women buy them because they want to put them on display. They go, isn't that going to look nice on a shelf? And I'm like, yeah, don't worry. That's how I started. And, uh, but, you know, and I see a lot of the younger people, too, whereas others might not, but... I think, I mean, if you look back to photography and you look at, for example, the, um, even the news photographers, they're all male, you know, mm-hmm. very few female. I mean, you had Jackie Kennedy Onassis that was a photographer and, and there's a few other female photographers, but it seemed to always be a male dominated um, um, position, what occupation. That's where, you know, but I, um, back in, even back in that, what, what 18, whatever 1860s 70s you know there was i don't know if you've ever heard of simon wing he invented (laughs) a camera so here's another funny story i get an email hi i'm simon wings great great granddaughter and i inherited all his things and i don't know i need help so instead of calling this one first i called my friend in holland i go we're gonna need a lot of money because i thought she was selling them but then i called her she owned an inn at the time up in maine and um, so I, I called her person answered the phone and, and she goes oh my gosh she's going to be so excited to hear from you and she goes have you heard of my great great grandfather i said of course i've heard of him and she was so surprised and i was so fortunate because she was donating it all to the the wings family museum down at cape cod so everything was brought down there and rude was here he flew over and we went down and spent a couple days going through everything cataloging i'm touching things that are one of a kind that i will never ever in my life be able to touch again and that's just an opportunity i had you know because she googled camera collectors you know and, and my name came up and and so it was kind of kind of interesting
0: does your does the collection, you, you're talking about kind of cataloging another collection. Does yours include, besides cameras, does it include like ephemera or anything that's related to photographic history?
1: I have a lot of, um, I have Kodak signs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have early Kodak boxes that were used for shipping. I have um, a lot of the different size film boxes on display. I have, um, I'm just, there was one key camera that was made in new hampshire the dover camera which was a cheap sort of bakelite plastic type camera so i have like some of that film on display as well as the camera um what else oh i have you know what i have a shelf of figurines but everybody has to be holding cameras or something oh that's nice i have a christmas tree up year round in my camera room because it only has christmas ornaments on it that has cameras (laughs) and um, I'm just trying to think what else. Oh, I have, well, another part of my collection, and I stopped doing it because there were so many. When when disposables came out, <laughs> I started collecting the unusual disposables. So I have the first little Kodak fling that was a disposable, but I have a lot of the ones that were put out by companies with just really weird logos on them and things like that. It wasn't just like Fuji's. It was like, you know, like, from the Netherlands, pictures of three kids where they're sticking their tongues out, you know, and faces. And so I have a, a bunch of disposable cameras nice. that I probably should, no pun intended, dispose of, but well it's nice
0: that you have you know you have those elements that you can that you can sort of add to the collection it isn't just cameras but you know so many collectors like to sort of pepper things into their shelves the ephemera the signs instruction manuals boxes and things like that i know for one you know if i can if i can get a camera that actually has the original box i mean that's considered to be a real plus for me um i don't always have a way of showing or displaying the box it's just something that i all my that.
1: boxes are packed away in totes. It's, it's like somebody's going to have a field day someday trying to match them up.
0: Well, but, we, it's just one of those things. One and as I things.
1: sit here, I'm looking to my left because I've been getting ready for a show. I'm looking at a, a, a Polaroid SX-70 and a Leica M3. I mean, it's just like I have such a variety here. But those aren't things that I collect in my you know in my collection, but they're just sitting ready to be cleaned for the show.
0: Nice. It's nice. Yeah. Do you have more than do you have more than just the M3 in terms of Leica or is that just um I,
1: I don't collect them. I'm selling it for someone. <laughs> so ah, it's just Okay. It's not uh, in my collection.
0: So it's it's your collection is very very specific. Um it is, it, yeah. it's so so interesting to hear that. Let, let me let me ask you about um um acquisition for a second, um uh, Marty. You know, I I talked to a lot of collectors who um, you know they they'll acquire a camera only if it's functioning because their intent is obviously to shoot with it uh-huh. and if there's a camera in the collection which doesn't function they question whether they should even keep it in the collection uh, um my my approach is everything stays regardless uh-huh. um do you have issues with cameras um do you does it matter if they operate or not or if they the integrity is there that's what's really important
1: so i don't it doesn't bother me if they don't operate i mean yeah i like it if i can hear the shutter working but if not you know it's it's only going to sit on my shelf anyway i'm not a user of my collection of my collection i'm a displayer so
0: understood so really it's just an issue of of integrity the the the, yeah. the, the wholeness of the camera as mm-hmm. as it represents the, the, aesthetics, and, the and aesthetic so look so yep yeah. Yep. i got it i understand is there ever an instance where um you know you may have obtained a camera that's missing some component and in order to make it complete that that it then extends the search towards another to another degree
1: that's happened yeah i would say that's happened yeah
0: so that you find yourself finally able to sort of put the whole thing together into one complete package
1: yeah i mean even recently there was a I mean, I can't believe I've lived in Manchester, New Hampshire, since uh, 1968. And last fall, there was a there was a collection for sale and it was online in two parts. And the pickup was in Manchester. I'm like, oh, how ironic. Maybe the auctioneer lives here. So so there was like the first auction probably had one hundred and sixty seven cameras. And I think I purchased 16 and my friend from Holland purchased like 30. So I went and picked them up. And then the next one I bought, I believe, 10. And he might have bought like 20 out of another 150. And turns out the guy lived like four miles from my house. He passed away. He collected so many of the similar ones that I liked. And then at the end of the auction, there were so many left over. The auctioneer sold me the extra. I think it was another 46 cameras. And I bought them. Amazing. uh, Yeah. And Amazing. then I another 13. And then just two weeks ago, there was somebody that advertised a collection a half mile from this other collection. And I'm like, What? You know, and again, so I walked out of there with twenty seven more cameras and I said, Okay, this is like an addiction but but well, my point is i was able to upgrade in my collection oh, sure, buying those and i was very happy to do that so. it's
0: nice to be able to find those moments when you can yeah. uh, improve on uh, on what you have and uh-huh. and then pass on elements to other collections and other sure. people who are looking um are there any cameras that you can kind of pinpoint that um you would considered to be sort of the grail camera something that you really wish you could find for your collection and just haven't been able to yet
1: oh boy um, just uh, the, you know what always comes to mind is alright so Kodak made as I mentioned the cameras with the matching lipstick and rouge in the 20s mm-hmm. they're called Kodak Petites and it came in three colors beige green and rose and I have all three however the I believe I saw at the um, over at the George Eastman house in their private collection, um, the salesman sample were three boxes together with all three cameras. Wow. I don't think I'm ever gonna find that
0: together. It
1: would be amazing to find. Just amazing. <laughs> so and I don't know if I'd be able to afford it. That's the other thing.
0: So. Well, still, I mean, it's something, you know, when I ask collectors what that camera is, um, uh-huh. obviously it varies, but it's so interesting that you should pinpoint something so specific and tied to, you know, the history of your collection. And, sure. um, you know, who knows with, with the kind of approaches that you have and the connections, you may run into that someday, somebody may contact uh-huh. you and say, Hey, uh, I'm going to send you something. And you open up uh-huh. the box and, and there you go. <laughs> there it is. Um, <laughs> That's that's so interesting. What um, and without without uh, kind of revealing anything specific, um, what would be probably the most valuable camera in your collection at this point?
1: Um, sentimentally, and, or no?
0: Well, how about sentimentally? Let's you let's go with that first.
1: I think it's probably the the pink, the pink uh, um, Kodak Petite that I got with the matching lipstick and rouge, because my parents really knew how much I wanted that and I didn't have the money for it at the time. So they, they gave me the money. They quote unquote, lent it to me.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I was, my mother said, you've been looking for that for so long, you know, go get it. And I had to go over to Vermont and meet somebody to get it. So I was really excited. Um, uh, so a lot of my cameras, it's kind of funny when you run into people and you tell them you collect cameras, Oh, you know, you got those Leicas, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I never just got into Leicas, you know, and, You know, I wouldn't be able to afford a camera collection if I did. So a lot of mine might be more of a lower end to people than, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, as far as um, a value, I mean, I still think I think the colored portions, you know, the petites and everything are my favorite. And the and the bow brownies having the full set makes it unique. All 10 of them.
0: I understand. I understand. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, what's nice to hear. um, And I I think what you're pinpointing is the value of the collection isn't necessarily in how valuable the cameras are, but how valuable they are to you emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what makes the collection so important. I have so many cameras in my collection that are probably worth five or $6 and yet they're very dear to me. And I would never think of letting them go because of what they represent in terms of the the breadth of of what i collect i'm
1: trying to peek behind you to see what you collect but um well
0: i, I when, we're, when we're when we're finished with the interview i have another camera set up in the room which i'll click to and that way you can kind of see oh, okay. um i generally collect um cameras from the 1940s 50s and 60s so i'm into the whole mid-century thing and oh, um yeah. The range goes across from yeah. from Japan to German to okay. um, East German. but um, the 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 notion of collecting, which is built around history is, is so fascinating to me. What is um, and I know this might be a hard question to ask, but of those cameras that are all in your collection, is there ones that stand out that are the most attractive, the most beautiful, beautiful? Is it those Kodaks that you're mentioning?
1: Um, gosh, you know what? I kind of have my room in sections. So you walk in and you just see a row of color, but then you turn and then I have a display case and I, and you know, the hit types, I'm sure, you know, what oh, sure. oh yeah. I have probably a hundred hit types with different names or different colors. So I have, I do have a collection of sub miniatures, you know? I've got, you know, the pedal, I've got the Expo pocket watch, I've got the, the Soviet spy camera, the cigarette spy camera, you know, those types of things. We didn't even talk about that. But then I turn around and I've got my shelves of all my toy cameras. So each has their own, you know, section or, of what I like. I mean, I even collect Kodak race stuff and I have a whole area of that. And because one of the NASCAR races was up here, I was fortunate enough to go and meet two of the NASCAR Drivers for Kodak. Uh, Sterling Marlin, I met after he stopped driving for Kodak. And then I met um, Bobby Hamilton, who has since passed away. So I had my picture taken with him as well. And um, so I have those in my collection.
0: that's it's a nice special thing to add to um to the collection overall and mm-hmm. you know i think it speaks to um your your sort of outgoing personality that allows you to connect with so many people mm-hmm. and and kind of bring them into a, a a a community that supports each other and to develop this this um this interest in this hobby and um it really it really sort of inspires me to uh connect with people not just Uh, by showing them a picture of a camera but also talking about it and hoping that i can i can make those connections in the same way that you have um
1: you need to hop a plane and come to our show april 23rd in boston
0: well, right. <laughs> you know, I, I I actually I spent some time in in New England teaching. Um I, I taught it in, in Framingham and my wife and I lived oh. in Worcester, in fact. Oh
1: my gosh. Um yeah oh, this is in Newton, so you know where it is. Oh well
0: I know where it is, sure. There you um, go. Not sure we're gonna make it up this time, but maybe okay. um in the future when we when we arrange another trip up to New England. Great. Um this has been um so interesting and um it's it's been such a joy to talk to you because your perspective on collecting is is so different than than a sort of a, a traditional approach which, uh-huh. which which connects connecting uh collecting to the photographic process and uh you know your your main involvement is really acquisition display historical connection education and i, sure. and I think there's a lot that, that that's 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 there's a lot of value in that um when you when you think uh, about the the collection and its growth, um, is there anything that um, you know you think of that that you in a specific direction that you want it to go in, or are you feeling pretty good about how it's kind of settled in at this point?
1: Um, I would say right now, not that I'm at a standstill, because obviously, I mean, acquiring like seventy cameras since November first quite a bit. Um, But I need to go down to I need to spend time in my camera room and organize a little more. I mean, I have some things I've barely put away. You know, I have it just needs a little bit more organizing. Then I can see what I have room for because there's ones that I haven't even put on a shelf and I've had them for quite a while. And uh, I know what I have. Does that make sense? I know what I have, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what I don't have <laughs> so I don't know, you know. So I really, you know, I, I can look through Jim McEwen's book and say, oh, "Gosh, you know, I, I wish I had one of those." But I, I haven't found anything recently that I really, really need to have. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so you feel like the 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 collection has reached a a, a real point of satisfaction. Uh-huh. Obviously, it can grow if necessary.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. So,
0: I mean, just being able to. And what is that feeling like, Marty? Um, you know, this is one thing I, I really, I just wanted to touch on and, and we're probably going to be ending it um, in a few minutes, that experience of walking into that room. I mean, I can tell you, you know, I, I have, you know, not nearly as many cameras in my collection. It's probably yeah. approaching 300 at this point. But uh-huh. when I walk into the room and I look around, I'm simply overwhelmed at, at what's in front of me um, yeah. because of what it represents. What is that feeling like when you step into that space?
1: Um, it gives me a sense of pride. I think that I've been able to acquire this. And, and as I said, I'm divorced, but even though I'm divorced, I've still been able to grasp onto something and stick with it. And, um, it just, I don't know, it just brings me so much joy, you know, and, and it it gives me joy. Like if I bring somebody in and they look and they're like, I've never seen anything like this, you know? And, It just makes me feel really good. I mean, I don't dare tell you that I have two other collections that are not photography related. But because I always want to look for something after cameras, my second collection, I started years ago collecting bakery tins from pie companies. You know, the Frisbee pie was invented because people tossed pie tins in a bakery in Bridgeport, Connecticut. So I probably have almost 200 different pie plates with bakery names. That's another collection. And then I decided yeah, I love popcorn. I have like oh, shelves of old popcorn tins and popcorn boxes, you know, and that's in another room in a house. So it's like, you know.
0: See, I, I, I think that that's amazing, Marty. Uh, I think it's so interesting when when you hear, you know, that that a collection leads to something else. And, I mean, you just connect with something. I mean, suddenly yeah. you just feel as though there is something about this that you are compelled to 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 tap into you know yeah. i over over the years i've collected wristwatches and i've and yeah. i've uh you know spent time doing that um and and i settled into camera collecting over the past decade and it's i've really found it to be satisfying yeah. And i don't think i'm going to move from there yeah. but it's it's nice to hear that moment when you can step into that room feel that pride that sense of yeah. pride feel the connection
1: mm-hmm. and
0: know that um you know this is something that is continually sort of generating
1: yeah.
0: something so important in your life. And years, um, you know, years really ago, um,
1: know. country living magazine contacted me in 2003 and they spent, I, w- I want to say three days here, just interviewing, taking pictures, more or less just taking pictures Then someone else called and interviewed me. But I guess it made me feel like I had made it, you know, <laughs> and even though that was, you know, what, 19 years ago, Um, it really made me feel like, not that I was on top of my game, but I, I mean, I'm still learning, you know, who (laughs) isn't so. Well,
0: it's nice to have that recognition.
1: Yeah. There's so much more out there, but then maybe that's what I was looking at recognition, you know, like, you know, you've, you've made it, you've, you've really done a good job, you know, and you're one of the only female collectors, but there's more out there and, you know.
0: Well, there certainly are, and um, it was that the post that sort of drew me to to you, fortunately. Um, and yeah. I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to speak with you over this uh, this past roughly hour and hear about how your collection grew and developed. It's so interesting, and um, you know the the way that you have allowed your collection to represent something so important um, to all of us in terms of photographic history and sort of jump to that oh, that idea of of education and um uh, community connection is is really so important mm-hmm. so i i thank you so much for your time marty it's been oh, really such you, a pleasure talking to you yeah. and um i hope that uh you know one time um we will get a chance to to meet in person and uh, maybe share some stories about collecting and uh and kind of kind of go from there so super um, again thank you so much uh marty for your time um and for for giving us a glimpse into um what drives your collection and um your passion and your interest so thank you again all right we will uh return uh with more from the ephemeral machine We are back and you're listening to The Ephemeral Machine, a podcast about collecting cameras. I want to thank my guest, Marty Steiner-Jones, for spending some time this episode chatting about camera collecting and photographic ephemera. It was so interesting to ponder the subtle nuances of the breadth of her personal collection as she shared her insight and perspective. Thank you for joining me on my own journey into the world of camera collecting, and I will see you again. For the next episode of the ephemeral machine.